0: Hello there and welcome to the February 2018 edition of Game or Nought Monthly. I am your host, Alan Jones. Before we jump into the top four gaming stories for February 2018, just wanted to remind you, you can find us on Twitter at Game or Nought. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and you can find us on Patreon if you want to help give us a little bit more support. But thanks very much for listening. Not going to hold up any longer. Let's jump straight into story number one for February 2018. And our first story of the month is the leak from Laura Kate Dale on Kotako UK about the spyro trilogy remaster now according to laura and kataku and multiple sources activision is currently working on a spyro the dragon trilogy remaster set to be announced sometime in march and released in quarter three 2018 now the reason i've picked this out is because it, it perhaps is showing a bit of a trend so you'd imagine that a lot of this desire to remaster spyro comes off the back of the success of the crash bandicoot insane trilogy where the original three games were totally remastered from the ground up new assets new lighting animation cinematics, soundtrack everything was redone the save system was redone it was basically rebuilt from the ground up and it was incredibly successful sold very well critically it was reviewed very well and so it would make sense that they would look back at that era and say well, what are the mascot games have we got what are the mascot games could we redo and, and try and capture that love that nostalgia and for me me personally it would be it'd be massive spiral dragon means a lot to me personally it was a game that i played that really i think established my love of those sort of games those exploring sort of modern platformer style games but it was also a game that i played with my brother my younger brother and so personally to me it means quite a lot it was a a really great time and it was something like i said that really cemented me and, and my love of games and what games i enjoy but i think more importantly than just my personal opinion on it is this trend now for nostalgia gaming, people asking for games to be remastered or remade, and on one hand it's a fantastic thing to be able to do, to go back and look at those games, rebuild them and put them into today's graphical engines. Because while a lot of these games hold up well in terms of gameplay, it's almost impossible to play them and enjoy them because of the graphics. It was a weird era when Spyro and the original Crash came out people were just trying to get used to the idea of 3d graphics and and how to really work those out and how to make that work on on a console that at the time obviously was very powerful but in in reality it wasn't and so they're they're incredibly although that's bright they're not very good looking and it is disturbing when you look at a game like that now it does take you out of it it takes you out of the experience of playing it it takes you out of the enjoyment of playing it and it's not like the 8-bit 16-bit sort of era games those style of games there's a a cinematic of art about those there's something about them they are so retro that you can forgive it but the games like the original crash and the original spyro they're of an era where actually it's much harder to forgive because those graphics become a key part of the game and we have such high expectations these days of graphics that when you get that sort of blocky pointy sort of thing like that somewhere between now and the bit era it does make a a jarring sort of effect so to be able to remaster them and put them into a modern engine so that we can enjoy that gameplay again enjoy those characters again enjoy those worlds again i think it's a fantastic thing to be able to do and i'm so pleased that that they are doing it secondly i think it's important as a sort of conservation effort there's been a lot of talking video games about the fact that such a poor job is done to conserve games there are games that only exist in private collections or have entirely disappeared from really any collection anywhere meaning that they only exist in terms of any footage that has been captured in post or people's stories and that's a real sad thing because the video games industry is so storied and is now developing a real history it's been going for decades and decades and decades now that it seems like a, a real sad shame that people didn't think to keep a record earlier and so being able to remaster these games now it offers a sense of conservation to them look this is what games were like perhaps not graphically but in terms of gameplay this is what they were like and i think going forward considering where we're going now with incredibly photorealistic graphics with virtual reality and augmented reality technology being able to look back and see where things have come from i think is incredibly important however that being said I, I am concerned that this is going to become not just a trend but a fixture and i don't want it to become a fixture in gaming i think it's dangerous to be spending too much time looking backwards yeah there's definitely reason to do it there's definitely a, a market for it but what i don't want to see is studios being asked to go back and basically redo all the different catalogs from all the different eras i would much rather people were looking at new games and new ways to create that connection and so what I hope from all these remasters of the classic PlayStation era games what I really hope is that while remastering them and while looking at the market evidence that studios are also looking at what is it that made Crash so popular what is it that made Spyro so popular what was it about those games that made them worthy of being remastered it wasn't the graphics it was the gameplay and I think people need to look at it and say okay we need to figure out how do we make that new Spyro how do we make that new Crash how do we change the landscape in terms of gameplay because i think we are getting to that point now where we're dangerous dangerously close to a graphics war again and that worries me because we can keep updating the graphics but actually the way we play games hasn't changed in a very long time and what we expect of games hasn't changed in a very long time you know we know we're going to get a narrative game or an action game But what we haven't seen is a change in the way games are played. And I don't just mean changing the controller. I mean, actually, what's the experience? What's the takeaway from games? I think in an indie scene, we are seeing some attempts to change that and try out different things. But on the big scene, the AAA scene, the scene that gets the mass attention, the scene that we see on the side of buses and in posters and on TV adverts, it's very much stuck in the mud. Yeah, this is going to be a big action game. It's going to be a platform game. It's going to be an RPG game. And we're looking for that thing that's going to grab people's attention and that thing that people are going to be talking about in 20 years time or 30 years time or 40 years time or 50 years time where are the games? Are we going to be talking about Horizon Zero Dawn? It's a fantastic game no doubt about that it's an incredibly wonderful game but are we going to be talking about that in 30 to 40 years time? I don't know but the fact that there are doubts over that immediately points me towards a possible answer so while I'm really pleased that we're getting these remasters really excited to see them I personally cannot wait to have a go on the Spyro the Dragon remaster if it comes out as confirmed by the way this is all still an unofficial leak activision haven't commented on it as far as i'm aware so we don't know if this is happening although with all the love and attention it got they'd be crazy to not do it what i really hope is that people look at what made them good and don't remaster the graphics but try and take away that essence that magic that captures people's attention what are we going to be remastering in 2028 2038 2048 what games are we going to be going back and saying yeah i'd love to see that updated it'd be interesting to see what people think and carrying on the topic of older game series coming back story 2 is all about metroid prime 4 now we saw a teaser trailer released by nintendo towards the end of uh, january but we've had a bit more information come out since not a massive amount but a little tidbit that we can sort of work with and that is that metroid prime 4 is actually going to be being produced by bandai namco instead of the normal studio for. metroid Metroid games retro studios now first people were a little bit concerned about that a Metroid game not from retro studios that could be problematic that might not fit what people are expecting but actually when you look at it the fact that Bandai Namco are going to be developing the project is actually a huge boon for the game Metroid Prime is one of these games where it's got an incredible following a lot of people follow the game a lot of people love the game a lot of people love the series but actually not that many it's a little bit like Legend of Zelda it has this massive cachet in gaming headspace but actually wasn't that big a seller it did really well for nintendo but in terms of the numbers that you might expect from a huge game with that amount of love and care from its fan base it wasn't the biggest selling series in the world and perhaps what nintendo are trying to do is do what happened with legend of zelda they're trying to revitalize an aging uh, ip and reshape it for a modern gamer and i think that's such a clever thing from nintendo and it fits exactly with what nintendo have been trying to do and it fits exactly with what nintendo have been doing with the switch which is changing up getting on board with what's going on at the time not being that inclusive uh self-focused nintendo but actually looking out wider and thinking about how they can improve it for me that again that's a massive thing metroid is a series that i love uh i've been playing on the mini snares playing the metroid on there and to be able to have a series like that come back and be revitalized for a modern audience would be incredible now that's going to hopefully be including the classic Metroid elements but I do feel it's a series that does need a bit of a shake-up so having Bandai Namco on it will be a massive boon for that game not only in the development side though but also in everything else Bandai Namco again is a huge company a huge company that's got a lot of space and a lot of attention a lot of focus on it so being able to have a studio like that get behind it as opposed to the traditionally very quiet retro studios that game going to get so much more attention than it would have done it would already get a load of attention from nintendo fans but now with bandai namco behind it it's going to get massive amounts of attention not just from metroid fans not just from nintendo fans but from anybody who has any awareness of bandai namco and on top of that the studios that have been linked with the game uh, through bandai namco have got a wide variety of developers and people working in them so a lot of the studios that have been attached or been rumored to be attached to metroid Prime 4 have staff who came from LucasArts in particular staff who worked on Star Wars 1313 which if you aren't aware was a cancelled Star Wars game that was looking incredibly ambitious it was going to be one of these media and uh, critical darlings uh, it was going to be really popular really big game ended up getting cancelled um, but it was very promising and so it looks like there's a lot of promising staff on Metroid Prime 4 now that intrigues me because while I love the Metroid Prime games I don't see them at the forefront of games Gaming. They aren't a boundary pusher. They aren't something that's going to get you thinking. I always think about the Metroid games as being incredibly fun gameplay wise, but in terms of narrative and the world and the story and the lore, it's a little bit popcorny. You know, I can kind of go through it, enjoy the game without necessarily being too focused on the narrative or what's going on around me. But with the promising talent that Bandai Namco have, it would be entirely reasonable to think, well, actually, this might change it. This might be the change that Nintendo are looking to put in. They might be looking to tell me a story alongside the incredible gameplay the metroid series offers so actually for anyone that was concerned that retro studios aren't making it i think you've got so much to look forward to with bandai namco being behind it and obviously it's incredibly early in the game's development we don't know anything really about it there's even been talk that it's not going to be called metroid prime 4 i think if anything that's that's pretty much been made clear it's not going to be called that but it is going to be a continuation of the metroid prime series what i feel is it's another step forward by nintendo and another step forward for a series that that has been lagging and it's this sense of realism that these studios and Nintendo are looking at themselves and realising we do need to make changes we can't just pump out the same thing and I really I want other studios and I want other developers and I want other companies to be looking at Nintendo and looking at what they're doing and rather than just coming out by saying oh congratulations to Nintendo they're doing really well blah 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 I actually want them to look at it go back to themselves and say well Nintendo have realised changes have got to be made we've got to do it and in fact just this week of recording Sony have announced that they're going to focus on first party studios they're going to sort of become a bit more focused try and draw away from third party second party studios and really focus on first party titles and that's so smart they are again doing what nintendo are doing which is looking at an ip looking at ideas going back to the drawing board figuring out what makes them good and keeping that but also figuring out how to improve them and adding those in so that's why i picked this news story because it shows one a great series that is now getting a big push by being given to a huge developer like bandai namco but also because it shows the games industry evolving right in front of our eyes. And for everyone who critiques and mocks and pokes fun at the gaming industry as being one that hasn't really evolved as an industry, then I think this is great news to throw at those people and say, well, actually, look, these big companies, these huge developers like Nintendo, like Sony, like Bandai Namco are looking at something and questioning it and rethinking it and evaluating it and moving forward. So it's a huge, huge sign that the games industry is ready to take that big step forward and be more self-evaluative. And in the long run, that can only be better for the gamer and the third of february's biggest news stories in my opinion was the announcement of more operators and a whole new gameplay mode for rainbow six siege now what strikes me as important here is not the announcement itself we knew there was dlc coming we knew there was going to be some more operators coming out in fact they've said that they're hoping to eventually get to over a hundred different operators operators being the playable characters in the game nor is it the actual game mode itself it's a pretty on-trend alien zombie based co-op mode it's only a limited time event but having that new gameplay mode and that new style might give the developers uh, some ideas for what they want to do going forwards what is important about this announcement though is the continued support for the game It's so rare these days for a game to be supported for a long period of time just recently demon souls finally had its servers switched off that was again was out so long ago you know i was very surprised just to hear that it still had its servers on despite being a massive fan of it. Rainbow Six Siege has been continued to be supported with DLC, with patches, with updates, new characters, new game modes, new maps since 2015 so it's approaching three years almost of being out and for a game that is multiplayer focused, that is online focused, that is a part of an ongoing incredibly popular series, the Rainbow Six series. It's pretty surprising that there hasn't been an announcement of a Rainbow Six Siege 2 and in fact the developers have stated that they really have no plans to make a sequel at the moment and I think it's so refreshing to hear that for a couple of different reasons first off it's a developer saying hey we respect your time we respect your money as a consumer you don't want to be going out and buying a new version of the game or a new copy of the game or the sequel to the game you bought this game we're going to support you we're going to keep putting things into this game to keep you interested and to keep you playing and it does have a Massive scene. You know, I'm pretty persistently seeing and reading and getting press releases about the Rainbow Six Siege Pro League and how that's doing really well and that's being really well supported. And to go alongside with that, the support they're offering to the game for the average player is, is astounding. The fact that they keep they keep updating it, it really offers that value for money that I think people are after with video games. And they're after something that they can keep going and they're not going to, in 18 months, have to update again or have to get the new expansion to keep playing. But instead, you have the option to update an option to add but actually you can just carry on playing as normal you don't have to uh, buy anything you can just play and you can keep playing on top of that i think it's really refreshing as well because it shows a developer who actually love their game so many developers are ready to move on to the next project ready to push on ready to try something new try something else and leave what they did behind but what this shows is a developer who loves their game a developer who is really passionate about their game who doesn't want to just leave their game behind and move on to something new but actually a developer who is passionate about what they've created and wants to keep adding to it like i said there's so many developers these days as soon as the game is out they announce the dlc plans and once that dlc plan is out they move on but rainbow six siege isn't like that they've continued to add to it now that may be because originally the game perhaps wasn't what they wanted it to be and maybe they feel a certain obligation to make up for that the game now certainly is nowhere near what it was a release uh, it's almost a, an entirely different game in many respects and perhaps thirdly, the thing that I think really stands out about it is the fact that there's actually a reason for them to keep updating it. There's an audience there. There's an audience that are continuing to play this game. And again, we're talking about an online multiplayer game. How many online multiplayer games can truly say that they have a fan base big enough to continue to develop content for that game outside of Mmorpg, like World of Warcraft or Guild Wars, where there's continual updates, but then that's because there's a continual subscriber base to that remember rainbow six siege doesn't work on a subscriber basis once you've bought the game you can play it you can buy loot boxes you can buy new content you can buy tokens absolutely but you don't have to so you could pay your 30 pounds to get the game and then you're in but their audience isn't their audience is passionate and feel so strong about the game that they do continue to support them by buying tokens buying dlc buying characters buying skins buying loot boxes so it's just astounding to see a game that is supported by the developer and supported by fan base to the extent that it can keep going almost three years afterwards and I think it's also important to point out that Ubisoft and the developers of Rainbow Six Siege are doing something out of the ordinary, doing something different and while I've talked about the the benefits of that and why that's great, I think it also needs to be pointed out they are just doing something different in an industry which is becoming increasingly copycat, people are trying to match whatever is on trend or do whatever the most popular thing is at the moment we've seen that with the way loot boxes have just been crammed into everything possible but Rainbow Six Siege is doing something different by saying well we're not going to make a sequel yet in fact we're not working on a sequel we don't plan on a sequel and this is exactly the time where people would be saying for this game well I'm thinking about picking it up but they'll announce a sequel soon so I'm going to wait and they're being really clear and really honest and that's the most important thing I think they're honest with their fan base and with the community and say no we're not going to make a sequel yet we want to carry on supporting this game they've made it clear how far they intend to support this game and that is the biggest part for me here is that the communication with the community has been honest and clear and again I'm talking about the industry as a whole here which is always dangerous but in general the games industry isn't an industry which is clear with its communities it's an industry that I think revels in hiding behind statements or hiding behind euphemism or misleading people in a sort of marketing way and so to see Rainbow Six Siege being so clear and so honest again I hope much like with people looking at Nintendo's attitude to their IPs I want other game developers and other studios and other companies to look at what rainbow succeed is doing and saying look hey if we're honest with our community if we really show our community we're listening to them and we want to talk to them and we're taking in what they're saying and we're responding to them then we can get something out of that we can get a, a big bang for our book if we actually talk and communicate with the community and so well done to rainbow succeed yeah the press release has come out and they're releasing this new content well done that's brilliant but massive congratulations for in my opinion being what i hope is a trendsetter a game and with Ubisoft behind it as well, a company, a developer, a publisher who are showing that it is important to listen to your community and you cannot take your community for granted and you cannot just pump out games and expect people to give you money. You've got to show that loyalty. If you show that loyalty to the community, you'll get that loyalty back. So well done, Rainbow Six Siege. Let's hope more games developers and publishers do what you're doing, which is really valuing the consumer and the last topic for february 2018 is an old favorite it's becoming a consistent hang around now loot boxes and microtransactions. and in particular the story i want to focus on for february 2018 was the announcement that hawaii were trying to pass bills in the american house and senate that would prohibit the sale of any game featuring a system wherein players can purchase a randomized reward using real money to anyone younger than 21 years old Essentially, without saying as much, this bill in Hawaii was aiming to classify loot boxes as gambling, without calling it gambling, which is perhaps their way around the fact that the definition of gambling didn't 100% apply to loot boxes. Now, why have I picked this story? Well, because it shows the idea that loot boxes and microtransactions and the issues surrounding them weren't just an industry focused problem. They are being recognised and being picked up on outside of the industry. By senators and by lawmakers. That's a massive problem for the games industry because that then starts the potential threat of outside interference and outside control in the industry in a dangerous way, in a way that could massively impact games development and publishing. What we don't want to see is an industry that has a watchdog hanging over it and saying, you can't do this, you can do this, this is not okay, this is okay, you're allowed to put this in your game, but you're not allowed to put this in your game. Really, we want an industry which can self-police which knows what is right and knows what is wrong and if it gets it wrong we want an industry that can put itself right we don't want an industry which is held accountable for the content by laws publishers and developers should be able to in theory put what they want in their game but then they should also have to live with the consequences of that and it shouldn't be because of a law that they don't do certain things now obviously that there are various issues and areas that you just don't want to see in a video game and obviously there are legal things you cannot put in a video game. But things like loot crates and microtransactions and those elements should be something we can self-police otherwise it becomes, and I hate using this phrase a slippery slope. And where I can fear that slope taking us is where uh, an outside watchdog is saying what you can and can't put in games on on a, a micro level. Oh you can't put this object in game, you can't have this character, you can't have this person say this thing. And I know it's a long slope to there, but it's worrying that we're even at the start of that point, especially with a president who quite recently has shown he's willing to put the blame for many of society's ills on video games a president who's willing to use as far as i can tell complete conjecture to put the problems of american society on door the doorstep of games what you don't want then is to be getting attention from lawmakers who are specifically putting in laws to control gaming on the back of that as well i think it's worth mentioning that the esrb the european ratings board have announced that they're going to be forcing or enforcing publishers and developers to be put putting a sticker or a a box art logo saying that there are in-game purchases and that's an example of where games are trying to avoid lawmakers and trying to avoid politicians and being embroiled in that side of things by looking after themselves and saying okay yeah we need to make sure this is clear and we need to make sure people know what's going on and it comes back to communication which is what i was just talking about with rainbow six siege and their community communicating clearly to people that there are in-game purchases in this game and what that means is incredibly important and i think that's really a key element there what that means because we know with the games industry and it's a bit of a cliche but it's also one that's true a lot of parents don't actually understand what that means and they don't understand what goes on in games and they don't understand the content of the games they're buying for their children and making clear that they know there are in-game purchases and what that means it is just essential and it's an essential element that will keep games free of that legal magnifying glass. And if you're wondering why I'm, I'm worried about that, it's because as soon as something becomes regulated to that level, it's limited. There's only so much you can do. And we think about the golden age, perhaps, uh, some people might want to put it, of the 50s, 60s, 70s, even the 80s to an extent, where what was allowed was incredibly strictly controlled. And if a game didn't meet certain social standards or social expectations, then it it would be pressured into not being published and i think for me gaming is on an upsurge at the moment in terms of gaming as an art as an art form as a narrative form as a cinematic competitor and the reason it can do that is because it's not being tightly held to certain social standards and certain expectations by a legal front instead it's being held to a standard of art form is this telling me an interesting story is this making me think is this telling that story in an interesting way when i finished that game have i sat down afterwards and thought wow that's Changed the way I think. That's really made me reconsider an issue that I thought I had an angle on. And it's given me another way to think. Has that game made me cry? Has it made me laugh? And I think there's been a massive amount of games lately that have been able to achieve those goals, but they've done that because they were free and they had a sense of freedom and a certain amount of ability to self judge and self evaluate. And as soon as you get lawmakers involved and legal things involved, then that freedom it starts to get chipped away and starts to get eaten away. So while I'm pleased to see the Hawaii Senator the hawaii lawmakers trying to solve a problem what i hope is that that doesn't become the norm and that doesn't become the expectation and we don't see too much more of that going on and as we stand i'm not entirely sure where those legal bills stand whether they are anywhere near being passed or whether they're totally being kicked out i don't know but what i would hope with the esrb putting the box art logo onto games now saying in-game purchases and with the impact of those in-game purchases on the market i do hope the game industry has learned uh, and that this legal side of things isn't going to be where we're heading because then I really would worry for the industry and I think if we started to get legally tied up in what you can and can't put in games and how you can and can't do certain things then I worry that we'd go back to being seen as a, a childish thing and as an immature thing and something that kids do and I think gaming's made such a great stance on the fact that it can be an adult form and it can be something that everyone should be paying attention to but that comes with a sense of freedom and a sense of responsibility so hopefully we won't be talking too much more about loot boxes because things like this law and senate and house bills that hawaii have discussed i'm hoping that's a big enough shot across the bow to games developers and publishers and get your act together get yourself sorted get it fixed otherwise the games industry that we know and love might be irreparably changed and and when i say changed i don't mean in a positive way hopefully though we're not going to get to that point and so there you have it the four biggest gaming stories of February 2018 according to me Alan Jones thank you very much for listening it's massively appreciated everyone that takes the time to listen and download and consider what I'm saying to you it does make a massive difference to me every single listener if you want to get in touch send an email to gameornot@gmail.com. at gmail.com that could be a question you've got it could be a topic or a news story that you want me to cover in the next month's podcast which will be the March 2018 podcast if you want to keep in contact with us see what's going on with Game 1 Nought you've got the blog at game you've got Game 1 Not on Twitter at Game 1 Nought Game 1 Nought on Facebook Game 1 Not on Twitch Game 1 Not on Patreon for those of you that would want to give us a little bit more support from just $1 a month that's 76p in the UK that would be incredible if you could go there and support us on a monthly basis thank you very much once again for listening I've been Alan Jones this has been Game 1 Nought monthly February 2018